Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. I hope you at home are worshipping at the top of your lungs in your lounge room because we obviously can't, <laughs> but we will be on the way home. And uh, just as that right then is a statement, a stake in the ground of who God is and what He's doing in the earth, um, our catalyst offering this morning is a stake in the ground and a statement of who God is and what He's doing in the earth. And our catalyst offering is usually what we would do to finance our vision for the coming year. But this year we have decided that we want to Um, put that towards the countries that are most affected by COVID-19 and are unable uh, to look after themselves. We know that that is so close to the heart of God. And so we align ourselves with His heart and we say, um, we'll do what you want us to do, what you've asked us to do, God. And so on the homepage of the chapelcollective.com.au, right up the top, there's a banner that says, Give to Catalyst Offering. And then when you click on that, it comes down and there's a, a link that will take you to the Compassion website to just give straight to Compassion. If you um, had in your heart to give to the Sri Lankan missions or to uh, the Horizon Project in India and Nepal, you can um, then just go to the bank account and write in the description COVID-19. But if you were like, well, actually, Bron, I really have a heart to paying down the debt on this building that we've said that our Horizon Builds will go towards, then you can write Catalyst in the description and that will go to paying down the debt on this building. For anyone who's watching from our various campuses, Uh, You can give to, like I said, the the building renovations that are going on in all our campuses and the purchase of a building that we're believing for in Gunnedah um, by writing Catalyst. But if your heart is, no, I just want to give to the poorest of the poor, then you write in the description COVID and uh, that will work for you as well. This morning, we're going to get extremely practical. I'd say turn to the person next to you and say practical and you're not allowed to because that will spray droplets on them. Okay. Um, Well, actually, they're 1.5 metres away, so do your worst. Uh, It's highly practical because to this point in time, we've talked about having a change of heart, having a change of mind and a change of will and a change of attitude. But inevitably, that has to show up somewhere in the way that we're acting. It can't just be in our mind. It can't just be in our heart. It can't just be in our attitude. It needs to be outworked into action. And that's what we're talking about today. So first, we'll just do a quick recap. We're in our fourth week of year evolution of an I generation. The I generation is the biggest hindrance to a you revolution. The I generation is uh, what started right at the beginning when, when Lucifer fell from heaven where he said, I will be like God. And uh, obviously that was not compatible with what God wanted. And so he, was, um, he had to be thrown out of heaven and then showed up in the garden to um, Eve and Adam and said to Eve, you won't surely die if you do what God said you shouldn't do. Instead, you'll be like God. That's why he doesn't want you to do it. And, uh, and, and she listened to that lie and, and she took the fruit. And all across creation, all across history, empires and emperors and armies have all been in this pursuit of being like God, of being the most important, of being the foremost, of being the first. And that's the I generation, me, mine and myself. And then uh, we talked about the seven words that change that, not my will, but yours be done. And the surrender that comes that that actually is at that catalyst moment at repentance where you say, Jesus, I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to go your way. 
And for anyone who hasn't made that decision, had that catalyst moment of repentance, we're going to provide that opportunity for you this morning. And then a defining statement of baptism after that, where you say, well, you say, repent and be baptised, Jesus, so that's what I'll do. And today, on what might be the coldest day in Tamworth for a very, very long time, we will have baptisms at the pool, at the Peel River, if anyone wants to get baptised. And Daniel Coleman has offered to go in with you and baptise you. And uh, if you want to um, do that, that'd be fantastic. If not, we'll have a warm baptismal font at some point in the future and you can get baptised then. But tell someone today, yes, that's my next step. I want to get baptised. And then uh, um, that defining statement of baptism and then pivotal points all across our lives of surrender. They just come and come, don't they? Just where Jesus says, okay, you've been doing your own way on that for a while. It's time to go my way. And they just come at incremental moments and then dramatic moments where we have to again say, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, Then we talked about the paradigm shift. I'm all about God, his cause, and the people that he loves. I'm all about God, his cause, and the people he loves. That paradigm shows up over time and in our everyday work. It has to be tested so that it can be trusted. Uh, It happens when we're wronged and we still act upright. It happens when we're forgotten. And also it it shows up in the way that we leverage any power or influence that we might have. And then in our midweek Going Deeper study, we talked about his cause and what a paradigm that's about his cause looks like where it's on mission. It's got a bias towards action. Sometimes in our Christian faith, we can kind of sit back and be a bit passive. But, but in, uh, his cause, being about his cause, means that we live on mission and we have a bias towards action. And it's also faithful in every season that we find ourselves. Then the next week, we went to positioning ourselves. I'm here to serve. I've got to steward the now. Uh, I'm, I'm positioning my heart. I'm positioning my character and I'm positioning my capacity. And midweek, we went deeper into character and how that's the completeness of the inner person. Integrity of heart, he shepherded his people. That completeness of who we are and going, God, I want you, I surrender to you to form in me the character that you want. And that's what he does. Which brings us to this week, where we've got to do something. We have to do something. So let's pray before we start. Lord, enable us this morning to be action-oriented people. Lord, where we don't receive these messages and get stirred and inspired like we have for the last three weeks and we're excited about living for you, Lord, let it outwork in how we act and what we do. Let us be those who are not just hearers of the word but doers only. And we pray that we would hear your word today and, Lord, that we would put it into action in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's start with Matthew chapter 23, verse 34 to 40. Matthew 23. 34 to 40, there's a couple of accounts of this and one is where someone comes to test Jesus and ask him about the law and another's where someone's like impressed with Jesus and asks him about the law. But essentially it's saying, okay, there's a whole lot of stuff that we know, Jesus, but what do we have to do? What's the most important thing? And Jesus says this. He says, oh, let's go from verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. Love God and love people. 
This word first here is the word proton in the Greek, and it's where Ernest Rutherford named the proton in the atom from. He bombed, I think it was a hydrogen article, uh, um, atom with other nitrogen atoms, maybe. Let's just say that. If you're thinking of high school chemistry and getting beep noises and wanting to crawl to the corner, just stay with me. This is only going to last a second. But he bombed the atom and he found that it broke down into further particles. And he's like, I think I found the fundamental particle of an atom on which everything else is built, all matter is built. And so he called it proton, which is Greek for first. Later on, found out that the proton could be broken down, but that's irrelevant to our message today. And, uh, and so proton, the first, the fundamental thing that we need to get right in order for everything else to be built upon, this is the first and greatest commandment. And sometimes in our Christian life, we find ourselves outworking different things and different behaviours, and we realise that we actually haven't gotten the first things first right. Or as Desmond Tutu said, that sometimes when we're rescuing people out of the river and we keep fishing them out and we keep helping them, we actually need to go upstream and find out who's pushing them in. And sometimes in our lives, we need to not deal so much with the specifics down here, but go back and make sure we're getting the first things first right so that the rest can flow properly out of that. So we're going to look at first things first. You may have heard the story or a preacher display it um, on stage once of uh, the rocks, the two jars and the rocks. And a professor was telling his students about it and he says, you know, the, the sand in the rock jar it's just all the fluff of life, the things that kind of fill our time and space. And he said that the medium rocks are the things that we value a little bit and, um, and that are, that are somewhat important to us. And then the big rocks in our jar, they're the things that really matter, that we would say are our most important things. And, and he put the sand in the jar and I think we've got a pick. Oh, yeah, there it is. And, uh, and, and there was no room at the top for the big rocks. But instead, he said, if you'll start with the big rocks, and then you'll put the little rocks back in and then you'll fill the sand in around it, then you'll manage to fit in everything that you want to. And it's like that, Jesus is saying. If you'll get the first things first right, the rest will flow out of it. Um, you know, when you go and stay at a posh hotel, have you ever been to a posh hotel? Anyone? Oh, it must be nice. Um, and if you want to um, show the next picture of a beautiful curtain that you often see in beautiful posh hotels... I think it's about to come up right now. And, uh, and, and everything just looks so beautiful and hangs so lovely. And, and in sharp contrast to that Airbnb that you forgot to read the reviews on and you're like, this place is cheap, it must be awesome. And instead the curtains in that place look a little bit more like this next picture, which um, you're like, okay, it's manky. This place is manky. I do not want to use the toilet. But instead Jesus says that this curtain rod, this guiding track if everything will be hung upon it, it will hang neatly, it will hang nicely, and it will look beautiful. You can take the pictures down. Thank you very much, projectionist. Jesus said, take care of that track. Make sure things are hooking onto those first things first, and everything will just hang beautifully from it. So we're looking at first things first today, F-I-R-S-T. If you're taking notes, F-I-R-S-T. Yes, that's how you spell first, but it's also the first letter of all of our points today. So F is for first fruits, first fruits. The things that we need to get right first are our first fruits. Now, in Leviticus chapter 23, the Bible talks about seven feasts and fasts of the Jewish people. They were not like us. They did not get given a Gideon's Bible in year seven for everyone who was my age or older, maybe. And then they started giving them tech Bibles and, and Gideon's. What do they do now? I don't know. Okay. 
irrelevant. <laughs> That's for after the service, people. Um, if someone wants to Google that and get back to me, that'd be great. Okay, Leviticus 23 talks about these feasts and fasts to keep them remembering what's happening in Jewish life. What, like, what are the things they need to celebrate? What are the things they need to remember? What are the things they need to think of in order to keep living their Christian, or their, sorry, their godly life? And um, one of them was the Feast of the First Fruits. Now, usually I would say, turn to the person next to you and say, Feast of the First Fruits, 50 times fast. But you know what would happen if I did that, and we can't do that in this season. So what they would do is that the first little bit of grain would bud in the harvest. Um, now, the real harvest wouldn't come until seven weeks later, but they would take that grain and they would wave it um, before the priest. They would hold it high and they would place it in the hands of the priest. And that was a way of saying, whatever's coming next is getting sanctified right now to you, God. You might go, well, that's pretty harsh. The very first thing, like what happens if a hailstorm comes after? But essentially they're saying, God, our trust is in you. And we'll show you that our trust is in you by giving you the very first of what we've got. And, um, and, and really, actually, it was revolutionary because these were people that worshipped, all the nations around them worshipped gods that were made of wood and stone. And if you were to ask that God, how much grain do you want from this year's harvest? It just kind of sits there and looks at you. And so you're like, okay, I've got to guess how much that God wants. And, and well, last year I gave him this much, but then that fire swept through and, and he obviously was really cranky because I didn't give him enough, so I better give him some more. Or, or that was a really good harvest, so I'll give him some more so that I get a better harvest. It was all guesswork. But for God, the God of Israel, he told them exactly what he wanted. So there was like a, a relief that came upon you. Yes, I honour you with the first of what I have. And then skip forward maybe a thousand years later to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 in the wisdom writings. And it says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Skip forward another however many hundreds of years until Jesus was on the earth and said this in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You have someone in your life that you just find that your heart's just drifted from, maybe a sibling. You You just found that you drifted from them. Just start giving them cash. Because this says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All of a sudden, your heart will be really invested in that person. You should try it. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about storing up for yourselves, not treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. So what does that look like for us? Well, it looks like making God's priorities our priorities. So when he says, look after the widows and the orphans and the poorest among you, then that's what we do. We say, well, I don't have much but I can see people who have a whole lot less than me, so I'm willing to give that $5, $10, $1,000 to the COVID offering in order to help the poorest of the poor. And you know, none of that reaches us at all. It goes straight to the poorest of the poor. It looks like what Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 3. It says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem, just like Wayne talked about just a second ago, where he said, I um, 
send it out of my bank account so that I don't have to think about it. I honour God with the first of my income. It's why we put the boxes up the back so that you can set aside that amount in keeping with your income as you come to church. Um, just while we're on COVID offering, actually, the hosts will have these, if you thought, oh, I didn't, you know, I've got the money here today, I don't want to give it online. They've got these um, envelopes that you can put your COVID offering into or your Catalyst offering, whatever it might be. So I'll just tell you, as it relates to storing your treasures in heaven, what that looks like for Darren and I, because each of us have to work out individually what it looks like for us. There's nowhere in the New Testament where it says it needs to look exactly like this, this amount to this, this amount to this, this amount to that. It doesn't say that in the New Testament. And so you have to actually search the Scriptures for yourself. And it was interesting this week, we learned that the Berean church, they were called people of good character because they searched the Word for themselves. They just didn't take what they heard and say, okay, great. They went and searched the Word for themselves. So we need to make sure that we're of good character like that as well. So for Daz and I, we give what we call a first fruits offering or a taruma to a couple in ministry who don't live in Tamworth, but who really care for us, who love us and who pray for us and who we know um, spiritually look after us. And we could call tomorrow if we had a problem in our marriage or anything like that, and they would fly to Tamworth and they would counsel us on that. We actually um, essentially put that in their hands. It's only a very small amount very small um, portion of our income and say we're giving that to the people of God who, who look after us in the Lord in order to sanctify the rest. And then we give a portion to the church, a portion of our income. Um, you might say, well, but Bron, you get all the tithes anyway, so you may as well just keep it. No, we don't. We don't. We actually don't. Um, we get mo- No, we don't. We don't get, we get a wage. Yes. Um, if you want the ins and outs of that, you can see me after the service. Um, but we, get a, we give our tithe to the church. And, and we give a tithe because we see it in Scripture, we see it before the law, we see it in the law, and we figure that that's a good amount. And then we give a portion to the poor um, because that's what we feel that God has told us to do. So what does that look like for you? Uh, and, and it's not, none of it's to be condemning, none of it's to be um, create a law because whatever it is in your heart to do, that's what you need to do. But it's not a, uh, I feel it in my waters that I'm going to give this this week or do this this week. It, no, no, it's a, a premeditated. I've thought about this. And us as a household, we've thought about this together and predetermined. We've arrived at a decision together. And I would encourage percentage-based because it doesn't matter how little or how much you earn. When you make it percentage-based, you can just keep it um, where it is and, and your giving can grow in keeping with your income. And then staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit because you never want to make it a law. And if there's a need that God speaks to you about, that you're ready to help out with that need. So first fruits, possession, finance and assets. Put the God first in that and let the rest settle where it will. Number two, F for first fruits, I for issues. Issues, issues. Putting God first in your issues, your concerns, your worries and your problems. Anyone a worry wart here in church this morning or at home? Anyone a worry wart? We've got a few. We've got a few. This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33 about those of us who would ruminate and chew over our worries. He says, but seek first. No, let's go back to 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. So as it relates to our concerns and our worries and our problems, we're to rewire our brain to be stop ruminating on the worry and to start ruminating on the kingdom. 
And, and it, we lose something in the English here. You see, in the Greek, the same word for run after is the same word for seek. So don't run after your worries and concerns and the things that are troubling you, but instead run after God, it says in the Greek, the same word. Don't seek after the things that you think will fulfill your material need. Seek after God and his kingdom. So that looks like when I begin to get worried about that bill that I've got to pay, I do what I can. I do what I need to. If I need to ring up and get an extension, I do that. If I need to work out a payment plan, I do that. But then after that, I've stopped worrying about that. And now I'm thinking about God and his righteousness. And God, who have you got for me to talk to today? God, who do you want to lead me to today in Jesus' name? And I stop thinking about the worry and I start thinking about what God wants to do in my life. The Good News Bible says it the best. It says, don't concern yourself with this. Concern yourself with God and his kingdom. Who remembers the old song? I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. If you're a teenager, you don't know what you missed out on. Yes, Lord, yes. No, what was the actions? Yes, yes. I can't remember. Anyway, we had actions and it was awesome. And we never want to go back there. Um, And so you just make a trade. Your worries for the kingdom of God. Seek first and then the worries fall into place. You put your thoughts on that track that God has set in place and everything else hangs down better. Relationships. F for first fruits. I for issues, R for relationships. And we know it's right there. Love God, love people. And isn't it easy to love people? So great. They're not weird at all. They're awesome. Everyone in the world's awesome. And it's so easy. No, it's not. And, um, and so we need to look at Matthew chapter 7 to work out what our first is as it relates to relationships. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Stop, hammer time. Don't you reckon that that's one of the most scary scriptures in the Bible? That the same attitude with which I judge, I will also be judged? That makes me just want to hold my judgment for a moment. So let's continue. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Verse 4, when you, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the point here is it starts with me. First, I look at me. In relationships, if I've got troubles, if I've got problems, First, I look at me. It starts with me. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, because sometimes it's not possible. Let's just put that out there. Sometimes it's not possible. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we would say, well, they're just whatever. Like, have you seen them? Have you hung around them for more than five seconds? They are whatever. And, and the Bible says, well, as much as it depends on you, as much as it depends on you. So in relationships, start right here. It starts firstly with me. Um, F for first fruits, I for issues, R for relationships, S is for sequence. And that's talking about getting the order right, the first things in the right order. Genesis chapter 26, verse 25 says, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent 
and there his servants dug a well. So number one, he honoured God. Number two, he pitched a tent and looked after his family. And then number three was work. That's where work fell into the right order of things, in the first things first order. So just do a little self-analysis right now. If you're thinking about the way that you look after your family, how much you honour God and where your work falls, what order have you got those in? And does that need a little bit of first things first realignment this morning? Firstly, we've got to make sure our relationship with God is right. Remember Ray Andrews saying, a man who has fallen out with his wife has always fallen out with God first. We need to make sure our relationship with God is right. And then we need to make sure our relationship with our family is right. And then we can get about and working as hard as you like and as hard as is good for your family and your relationship with God. F for first fruits, I for issues, R for relationships, S for sequence, and T for time. Time, putting God first in our time. Jesus so often went and spent time with his father. Now, fortunately, we don't have to do that anymore because we have podcasts and, um, and TV. No, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> Wouldn't you feel bad if you went, amen? <laughs> uh, no, no, we need to spend time with the father. If Jesus needed to, if Jesus needed to, to fulfill his earthly ministry, why would we think we can possibly be who he wants us to be and not do that as well? That would be ridiculous. And so Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 says about the man who is blessed, it says his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on his law day and night. It's not enough to say that you love something. There should be a time allocation that follows that, that proves that you love something. You might say, well, like, like, like Betty said to me the other day, she said, Bron, Jerry's love language is not quality time. And... Um, and, and Jerry said, yeah, I don't need time. I need gifts. And I would say to Betty, in this pretend conversation that we had the other day, <laughs> Betty, you need to give time to finding the right gift for Jerry. And if your family's love language is not quality time and maybe it's words of affirmation, then you need to put, word, put time into finding the right words to give them. And if their love language isn't quality time but it's physical touch, then you need to spend time giving them cuddles. And if it's not... I always miss one. Thank you, Jill. I always miss one. If it's not quality time, but it's acts of service, then you need to spend the time to give the acts of service to them. So we need to spend time. There's always a time allocation for the things that we love. And remember, it's God first, and then it's looking after our family, and then it's work. And so that our time allocation and our time prioritization should follow that. The Bible says, lead a child in the way he should go. That cannot be outsourced. And that takes time. We can't leave that to kids' church. We can't leave that to the school. We need, it says, lead a child in the way they should go. And whether that is simply talking about the way of the Lord, which of course it's talking about that, or whether it also means they're according to their temperament and who they are and helping them lead in the way they specifically should go, it all takes time. And we need to give our children that time to be able to do that. Our priorities should reflect our time allocation. So, church, first things first, first fruits, issues, relationships, sequence, and time. If you were to say, just do a heart check of yourself, do I find it hard to put him first in my wealth, my possessions, 
and my assets? Do I find it hard to put him first in that, in my first fruits? Do I find it hard to put God first in my issues? Do I put it, find it hard to go to him first? Or do I spend three weeks worrying about it till I've got myself in a tears and on the edge of a nervous breakdown and then I go to God about it? And do I find it hard to, to look at his order of things and, and work on me first in relationships and go, God, would you do whatever you need to in me first before I go and approach the other person or before I assume that about the other person? In the order of things, the sequence Have we got the right priorities? And in our time, can we see that first things are first? Just as we finish church, I said at the start that um, if you had not made a decision to say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus, that you'd have that opportunity this morning. And the Bible says, because loving God and loving people is difficult. And the one thing I really want to encourage you today is that um, the Northwest Church AU app, if you were to search for that on Google Play or um, Apple Store, Northwest Church AU. That's our old church name. Sorry about that. Haven't been able to change it. But on there, if you get, right on the home screen is blog, and there's the daily devotions. Every day this week, this blog, this, this daily devotion talks about an attribute of God's character. And that's what's life-changing, is dwelling on the character of God rather than trying to work up in ourselves everything that we have to do. And the Bible says that we love God. No, it says we love, full stop, we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. And the Bible says that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. So right now, I'm not going to ask you to pray after me because the whole chanting deal. I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes and bow your head and let me ask you this question as you block out distractions, a question of your heart. And the question is, am I following Jesus? Have you ever made the decision to follow Jesus? Have you ever made the decision to stop going your way and to make Him the final authority in your life, to say, Jesus, I want to go your way. I've tried my way and it didn't work. I find myself in all sorts of angst, anxiety, misery, or any version of that, or even just lostness or incompleteness, I find myself not where I believe I should be and I have this emptiness and I want you to fill it. If that's you today and you say, Jesus, I want to go your way. And maybe you made this decision a very long time ago and you, if you're honest with yourself, you know that it was kind of, it was a decision, you meant it, but then you've wandered and not really done anything with it. Or maybe for you, you haven't even made that decision yet. And you feel right now that today is the day to make that decision. Or maybe for you this morning, you just don't know, but you know that you know that your eternity is sure with Him. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision. I just say that God loves you. You can love because He first loved you. Whatever you think about God, however you feel that, that He's angry at you, that, that he, He's counting your faults against you, all of that is not the case. He loves you with an everlasting love and He is reaching out for you even right now in this moment. So with your eyes closed, is there anyone here this morning that would say, yes, I wanna follow Jesus? And if that's you, would you just go ahead and raise your hand in this place? I'm gonna count to three. One, two, three. Awesome decision. That's so good. 
So anyone else here this morning says, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Whether I know that I haven't been following Him, I haven't been putting Him first in my life, or whether it's the first time you've ever made this decision, do you want to go ahead and put up your hand and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. That is so awesome. You know, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who was lost. We have another person over here. That is an awesome decision. That is so great. So how much would heaven celebrate over two people who were lost and returned to Him? And we can't, we can't yell, but we can clap. So can we celebrate with these people here this morning? And if that's you at home or you in the room, then I encourage you uh, on the website, if you click it, there's an ability to click next steps and there's a way for you to get started on your journey with Christ and to not have to do it alone and not have to feel like, well, what, what to, where to from here? And I'm just gonna pray for these people today and for anyone at home that may have made this decision. Lord Jesus, thank You for giving Yourself as a sacrifice for us and dying on the cross. Lord, we thank You so much that You took all the pain and all the suffering and all the death that was flying around and You took that upon Yourself for our sake. And we say thank You for that in Jesus' Name. We love You. Lord, we don't wanna go our way anymore. We wanna go Your way and we put our trust in You. And I pray for these people that have made this decision. Lord, that this would be the first day of the rest of their life that this would be the day that they say on the, I think it's the 22nd, maybe it's the 23rd, on the 23rd of August, 2020, I made the decision to follow Jesus and my life was irrevocably changed. And Lord, we entrust you with that because you are the author and you are the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.